Hey, if you missed the first three parts of the trade deadline extravaganza, you can find them on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Coming up, part four. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? At first half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about. 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, part four, last one. We're going to do winners and losers of the trade deadline. We have already done three. We've been going at this basically for two and a half hours. We're going to try to keep this less than an hour. Big Waz is still here. Kyle Mann's still here. KOC is still here. Rob Mahoney has rejoined us. He floated around. He went to another Ringer cocktail podcast party. <laughs> the real ones, the real ones had him over for some for some champagne and some, some crab and some lobster. And, and now he's back with us. We have it's no others for you anymore. It's been an eventful afternoon, but I can still fit into my cocktail dress. So we're killing it. We're keeping it going. Rob, we were talking at the last part of part three about do we like where the league is right now with this stuff? We were oh. calling it the merry-go-round era. Um, because Waz correctly made the point, player empowerment era is actually kind of a misnomer for some of the stuff that's going on. It's a little different. It's more like the people bouncing around era. But Ultimately, do we like this? Because the key point is, we were, we were saying how Memphis, Cleveland, Phoenix, Golden State are the teams everyone has gravitated to this year as, oh, I like these teams. And there's either distrust or antipathy or dissatisfaction or whatever with a lot of the kind of created in a Petri dish teams. Is this sustainable for the league and can they fix it? I think it's sustainable just because you have the contrast. Right. Like you do have these cases, but then you also have, you know, some more homegrown type teams, at least homegrown type superstars in guys like Giannis, for example, who can give you a counterpoint, even in even in someone like Devin Booker, who has toiled through the bad years of the Suns and emerged on the other side. That's an important kind of face to have in contrast to this stuff. But I think it makes for interesting stories. I think there's something it's a little Shakespearean about giving someone like James Harden everything he thinks he wants in Brooklyn and him just figuring out that maybe it wasn't, or Kyrie Irving, or Kevin Durant, or whoever it is that's moving around. There's something inherently kind of interesting about that. All right. Winners and losers. KOC, who's your biggest winner? Biggest winner, Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, okay. For waiting and getting a superstar in James Harden, and obviously like that needs to work out. Those guys will have to adjust to each other, etc. Like all that. Um, but on paper, as we've talked about throughout, Bill, the, those two guys together with their supporting casts could be absolutely ludicrous. So Philly, Philly is the winner of the deadline for me. How about Waz? How about the Daryl Morey legacy winner? He did it again. Uh, Pulled off yeah, another Maury's, superstar. <laughs> Morey's a winner. God knows I've talked so much shit about this guy um, since basically <laughs> the Sixers season ended last year. The press conference where he said this might take four months, four years to execute. <laughs> um, just the general hubris. The you know they re-signed 
I think they re-signed Danny Green. Somebody got re-signed last time. I forget. It's it's coming off of my head. But he posted a snapshot of the five-man Sixers starting lineup and showed <laughs> that this is this was the most, you know, effective as far as net rating starting lineup five-man in the league. I was like, really, Daryl? Like, after that flame out in the playoffs, you're just like, what we have is pretty freaking good when they play on the floor. So, like... I, I I don't want to say I owe him an apology, but shoot, he won. He got it done, man. Definitely got it done. He also did that with the Embiid Simmons thing where somebody like on a radio hit, they were like, is it going to work? And he was like, absolutely. And he, and he quoted net rating again, <laughs> saying that it over like a thousand minutes. And it was just like, yeah, didn't quite work. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how many, how many front offices would have panicked before it got to where we got the last month. Right. Because the history of this, of the league is, panic when you have an unhappy superstar or panic at the wrong time or make the wrong trade or wish you just had waited a little longer stuff like that. He's pretty resolute. I got, I got to give him credit. He's pretty resolute. And like, I'm not making a trade that makes us worse than we would be if Ben Simmons played. So it's like, there's a cat and mouse game with Ben Simmons where you get past deadline. Hopefully you'll come back and we'll still be better than with anyone I would have gotten in the trade. But on the other hand, they got somebody who actually might've made them better. So I feel like he's a winner. Kyle, would you go Steph Curry winner, loser, or TBD in this trade? Seth Curry? Seth Curry. I I mean, I like... He's going to be in a situation where he's going to be moving off of people. I mean, he's best when he's just sort of like... Gorilla sort of moving in the gaps between stars. That I, I don't think that Philadelphia has been able to give him the type of gravity. I mean, he was with Dallas before where it was like all the offense was coming from one player. We've seen that like between the triumvirate of Harden, Kyrie, and, and KD would create all these just open shots just by because you had to get in the gap and respect what they could do one-on-one. I think that it's going to be big for him in that sense, I mean, I'd, I'd be curious, do y'all think he gets more open shots? I'd say he probably does in this situation. I mean, whether or not he can make them and be and be different than Joe Harris, who couldn't make a playoff shot to save his life. Poor guy. But um, yeah, I think mm. I think it's a good situation for Seth. He, both, really, they were both good, but this is pretty, I'd say this is probably a little better. I really liked watching him play with Embiid, and I think it's so hard for guards to play with centers like that. And he kind of figured out another winner in this trade from the Philly standpoint. So Seth Curry moves to Brooklyn, which means his wife, Callie Curry, also moves to Brooklyn, who is a key part of the pop culture side of our Ringer Podcast Network. The other person lives in in the New York area, Julia Lippman. It feels like this was good for the Ringer. I feel like we won. I'm an only child. Put us under winners. Bill, I really thought you were going going with the no longer has to work with his father-in-law. And I was like, that's a win, right? Isn't it? I would say that's probably a win too. Yeah, you get to see him now in holidays. Stuff like that. Um, Rob, Kevin Durant, winner, loser, or sideways? Or TBD? Absolute winner. Yeah. Okay, explain. Just because it was so clear by the end that James Harden didn't want to be there anymore. So hopefully Ben Simmons does. Hopefully that, that, you know, the basketball fit, again, on paper in terms of talents, it all synergizes pretty well. But hopefully, moreover, you get some guys who want to be there. And even if it's, even if we're just looking at this, like the Seth Curry part of that, somebody who can hit some shots would be nice. And I've just, we've seen a lot of DeAndre Bembry threes this season. And I, I could really stand for fewer of those. So I really like, the shape of what this could be for Brooklyn, of what it could be with Durant, but we just got to hope he's healthy because if he's healthy, they're going to be a really tough team. Anyone have a counter to the KD conversation? Anyone want to weigh in? I I, I mean, I, I, I think personally me, um, just hitching your wagon to Kyrie Irving can't possibly be a long-term win for anybody in the basketball sense. Um, he's been so volatile not just on the court, and I'll say this a million times, the guy's always getting injured. So even if, you know, our great black mayor in New York City, Eric Adams, figures out a way to ease up COVID stuff and all of this, all of these other things, will Kyrie Irving physically be able to play when the Nets need him the most? Um, I think that's always a, a pretty shaky proposition. But I did want to mention somebody who's a loser today, and that's the Mavericks, because Chris Stapps was a 
franchise hey, altering was, trade. Was you're jumping ahead on my outline? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you just you just called your own play. What's happening? I was called I started, ISO. I started talking on. like talking about Kyrie, and I started feeling like that. I started channeling. <laughs> he channeled his energy. The spirit Wait, of Kyrie is that pervading. I, I KSC Steve Nash, I think, is an un, unquestioned winner. Oh. Unquestioned, except he now asked the car. He asked the coach, Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so that's tough for Steve Nash in that sense. But I think that's why I agree with Rob that KD is a winner here in the sense that Kevin Durant's legacy, you know, however we define his story after going to Golden State, is oh, he joined the super team and he won there. And can he do it anywhere else? Well, now we're talking oh hitching your wagons to Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, who just gave up $20 million and sat out because his coach said he might not be a great point guard and because he failed and passed. If he pulls those guys to the NBA finals and wins it, doesn't that kind of like reverse things for Kevin Durant? Like, wow, he did it with Simmons and Irving. Like that kind of yeah. changes things and helps his legacy. I'd say if on the human interest side of it. Yeah, sure. But then the other side of me is just like, Oh, woe is me. Poor baby. Kevin Durant has to take <laughs> like one of the best verse, most versatile. <laughs> He's going to come after me now. But I mean, you know, woe is me. I have to go. I have to drag one of the most versatile defenders alive. I know we've like mm -hmm. crapped on Ben Simmons a lot oh, in yeah. the past year, but he is super talented. And then, and then Kyrie who might be the best. I mean, the most He's one of him and Steph are like probably the two most like ball skills, most skilled players ever. It's a it's a funny thing. I, it, there's there it are is. a lot of like uh, just <laughs> hypotheticals here. Like if this hypothetically happens, it's going to be interesting to see. This is going to be an interesting sort of experiment to see how quickly a team can mesh and still well, have a chance to go the distance. Yeah. What's interesting is they were able to salvage this season as a basketball team, right? The chance to actually win the title. They were able to salvage that, assuming Ben Simmons can at least be 90% of what he was last year, which I I have to say is an assumption at this point. But at least if you had unhappy heart in the rest of the season, I think we would all agree you're not winning the title that way. The other interesting thing is they got two first-rounders in the trade that they can at least have this summer to try to keep improving the team around KD and potentially Kyrie. So I was thinking loser Mahoney Houston. Houston for three weeks here was sitting in this situation where super unhappy James Harden. If the trade doesn't happen, he forces his way to Philly. Philly trades Tobias Harris to OKC with, with whatever to just get rid of him and then signs Harden. And the Nets have nothing. And now the Rockets have these picks and these pick swaps. But now it's like they have these picks and pick swaps for a team that looks like it's going to be pretty good the rest of the rest of the half decade. And on top of it, they got no other assets in the deal, right? They they could have Jared Allen. They chose not to have him. They turned Old Depot or Karis Avert and Old Depot into nothing. So they have really no players to show from the trade at all. And now it's like you're kind of keeping your fingers crossed with the picks and pick swaps. I didn't like the trade when it happened. I still don't like it. Well, and loser within the loser. I mean, Eric Gordon was probably packing his bags thinking he was going to be playing for a playoff team tough break for him going to be finishing the season with the Rockets. I would say if you're if you're Houston and looking at those future Brooklyn picks, may, maybe not so fast in terms of counting them out. In terms of we haven't seen this team play a single game, we haven't seen Ben Simmons play a single game. Great we point. have no idea what the future of the vaccine mandated New York is going to be. A lot can happen in a couple of months. And so I would I would say hold on to those and, and maybe cash your lottery tickets a little later. Any any other winners losers from this Brooklyn Philly trade? I, I Kyrie, I, I I don't even know what category it was. <laughs> you want to try to put Kyrie in a category? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kyrie's whole uh, like vision of his existence is that he has no boxes. You know, he's he's free flowing. He's like water that way. Um, he's doing it for the art, Bill. It's you can't categorize that man. I wonder. I, I'm trying to think of like the funniest outcomes of this trade. Kyrie taking Ben Simmons under his wing has to be up there. I don't know if it's number one, but it's like the article like two weeks later, Kyrie's been a big brother to Ben. It was like, oh no. Oh God. Yeah, Ben Simmons, he's he's just so lucky that he's doing this thing at Barclays and not the Garden, man, because it would get so ugly for him so quickly if he was on the Knicks. Um, this is just so perfect. 
for him. Um, Do we see some Philly fans taking the ride down in Brooklyn for, well, he probably won't <laughs> play in the March 10th game, but at some point. Wouldn't put it past them. Grabbing some seats in, uh, in Barclays. Wait, um, we don't think he'll be ready to play by March 10th? It's a month from now? I would hope he's ready to play by March 10th. Come on, he got to be on, ready ben to play Simmons. by then. You know, another winner of the trade, KOC, because he gets to, he, one of his favorite, it's like George Carlin with some of like, his great comic routines. KOC gets to do his Ben Simmons wrong hand. It's back. It's reactivated. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, th this is definitely a big win for me today. I've been saying for months, Maury should be patient. Then he gets James Harden. I've been saying for years, Ben Simmons <laughs> shoots with the wrong hand. He needs to be in a system where he can screen and short roll and be a playmaker, be Draymond. Oh, yeah. But we're here. We're here. <laughs> he did it. We're here. And now You've we're about arrived. to find out what Ben Simmons is really made of. We're about to find out. Well, he had that. There was some somebody had a tweet. I think it was Woj about Rich Paul said Ben Simmons is ready to roll, and he couldn't be happier to join Brooklyn. All that stuff. I mean, honestly, this worked out great for him compared to what oh, we yeah. were talking. Some alternatives like Indiana, Sacramento. Um. All right, Waz, you get to do it now. Loser. Dallas. Let's move to Dallas. Yeah, this KP thing, man, it was literally, I, I can remember the ridicule of the Knicks franchise just being like, oh my God, you idiots, you ruined the KP thing. This guy was the greatest thing that ever happened to you. Now he's going to go save Dallas and raise them up from the ashes and the Dirk Nowitzki uh, legacy and blah and blah and blah and this and it's over. It's over just like that with a whimper, um, not even a second round appearance with the KP and, and Luka. Uh, pairing and they basically admitted defeat, you know, cut their losses and got him the hell up out of Dodge. That's crazy. They admitted, they admitted defeat in the form of Davis Bertans. <laughs> he, he was the white flag. He's draped in a white flag. Rob, you weren't on the pod when that trade happened. Were you surprised that they just basically said oh. Porzingis is just a damaged asset? We're, we're just we're just selling like he's a sunk cost. A little surprised and m less surprised that they traded Porzingis and more the players they got back because, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys talked through the Spencer Dinwiddie part of this. I don't really see him as a fit next to Luka. I don't see him next as a fit next to Jalen Brunson. I sure as hell don't see him as a fit next to both of those guys. How they're going to manage that guard rotation, I don't really know. And so like, yeah, Chris Epps Porzingis, injury concern, obviously, has not been a guy who's been able to finish playoff series for you, which is a big problem. This seemed like the Mavs swapping out their preference to have a guy who guys who could at least be out there versus a more talented player who could not, unfortunately. Are, are we about to see the Mavs go all in on small ball? Because Chris Abbas Porzingis, you know, despite all the obvious flaws with his health and all that and the inconsistencies, the fit with Luka on offense, all of that, he was good on defense this year, better than yeah. he's been in some time. And for Dallas now, they got Maxi Kleba, Dwight Powell, Marquise Chris, Boban. Like, this feels like a team like Kleba's not a rim protector. He's more of a switchable, Jeez. versatile perimeter guy. I feel like the Mavs, at the rest of the season, they're built to play small and only small, unless Boban's out there. So, also, in that like, sense, it, I'm intrigued. And Dragic was supposed to be a buyout guy for them, right? That was the big word in the streets. So, they'd also supposed be adding be. him. So, are, are they going to be trying to attack with? Multiple guards, like a little like that OKC team that had CP3 yeah. and SGA and Schroeder. Maybe a lot of, I, a lot of that maybe. is contingent on whether or not Luca, how willing Luca is to kind of go off off ball and and embrace that. And you know, one of the big problems too with the KP thing was they brought him in as a guy who was going to have like skill set synergy with what Luca does, and he's he wasn't the same lob threat that he was in New York. He's not flying around like if you go watch some of that New York footage, man, he was throwing his body around. It was just like scary. Of course, it ended up being bad. He got hurt, and it's like he just. He was somebody that couldn't be a table setter for himself. He had to have the table. He he was more of a patron than a chef. And it was like, he just couldn't, you know. I'm, I'm curious about the Dinwiddie thing. I mean, in hy hypothetically, he, he and Bertans are hypotheticals. And I think for them to kind of move Porzingis along for these two hypotheticals where, you know, if they if they pan out, they'll be really good for Dallas. Charks told me a story. I wanted to tell you all this, an anecdote about KP. Judging about like his confidence about being in Dallas, he said before the season, KP was asked if he wanted to do one of those charity things where every time he blocks a shot, 
a certain amount of a money money is donated. He declined because he said he didn't figure that he was going to be there the whole season. So this has been <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> so wow. this is just something that hasn't been good for a while, basically. So you know, last thing about KP, and I remember that Nick stretch too. And I think I was writing, I did a unicorn piece for the ringer at the time. And we were having a unicorn battle because we had Giannis and Embiid and Porzingis. And it was like, it felt like this new era of these weird players we hadn't seen before with these tall guys who could do all these things. It's such a bummer that he got hurt in that game. I, d- I, I really do feel like he never was right ever since that day when he went down. We just, I just never thought his lower body moved the same. We've seen this with other big guys, but um, I really believed in that guy's talent. I thought he was an excellent, 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 like this guy who was basically this stretch five who you could go to in big moments and he could actually create shots for himself. But then on the other end could just stand there with his hands up and, you know, it's, it's a bummer. Cause I don't even, he's got to be what, like 27, 28. And it just feels like he's on the other end. What were we going to say, KFC? Oh, no. I mean, uh, I, I think with KP, like Kyle, like with the draft, I remember Porzingis. Remember the year before the draft when he pulled his name out? Uh, but then like that one year later, he gets better. He becomes a lottery pick. Everybody thought OKC might take him the year prior. But like at the time, the vision of KP was this dude who could do everything on the court. He could yeah. run off of screens and shoot threes. He could, oh, if he grows into his body, he can post up. It's just the health his durability is so bad that just derailed everything. And, and for Dallas, I mean, you traded for that upside when you got him from the Knicks. And I think it was a, a worthy gamble because of what the idea of what Porzingis could be going back to when he was playing overseas to going back to what he was with the Knicks. It just didn't work out in this situation. I, I don't, it's a complicated deal. I'm not sure I would go as far as calling them a loser because I don't think KP's that good. And I don't think mm. he's that reliable. He's mm. a sub 30% three-point shooter this season. He has proven he can't stay healthy. He's not a, a, a somebody that you can lean on and rely on. And for Dallas, they don't get anybody back, though, that you can rely on. But I'm not sure you can expect to get that for Porzingis. And I, I really think this is about just like shuffling the deck, spinning it forward, and trying to become more versatile and flexible in the trade market by having two smaller contracts instead of the one bigger, longer term one. Like I yeah. really think that's all it's about here for Dallas. It's about like the the money and get it becoming more flexible to build around Luca. I don't even think it's about this season as much I as the future. I spent three weeks on Twitter trolling uh, Minnesota Timberwolves fans while KP was still on the Knicks and good that KP was better than Kong Town. If he had stayed healthy, the their trajectories were similar. I was just yeah. thinking when KOC oh, yeah. was talking about him breaking down, it's and skills. Bill, you were talking about unicorns. The common denominator there is we're just we all we have stayed surprised by these big bodies, these skill sets working their way over time into these big frames. And it's like athletically, man, sometimes things are too good to be true almost. Like we're seeing it with Zion where it's just like some frames just can't quite handle the pressure over time and they break down. It seems like I worry about that with Embiid. You know, what Um, if KP had played like Kareem or something? If he had like a back to the basket game that wasn't as like dependent on facing up and mm -hmm. cutting and flying around and stuff like that. It's just interesting to think about how it would have played out because he absolutely was on a path to be great. Well, another winner is all of us because now Joe House has Kristaps Porzingis in his life. And (laughs) I think the tweets, the texts, I just really look forward to it. Can I read you the 2015 draft, which I think is officially drunk? When you go look at it on Basketball Reference, here's how the draft went. Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Jaleel Okafor, three, Porzingis, four, Marizonia, five, Oof. Willie Cauley-Stein, Emmanuel Moutier, Stanley Johnson, Frank Comiskey, Justice Winslow. That was the top 10. I mean, honestly, that might be the worst top 10 of any draft since the two th- the famous 2000 draft. Since Mike Miller? the worst draft of all time, yeah. That is like Towns mm. is the best player, obviously. But man, I mean, I D'Angelo Russell's get, an all star. He was an yeah. alternate uh, for the East. Once. So then we get <laughs> Turner was eleven, Booker was thirteen. Okay, book. Uh, it's it's rough after that. The second yeah. round actually isn't too bad if you go. Yeah, look. Norman Powell is forty six. Got Rashawn Holmes in there. Weird draft. And that Connaughton. was also the draft that Danny Ainge tried to trade four first round picks for Justice Winslow, which had the 
trade happened, I probably wouldn't be here now. I'd be in jail. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're going to take a break and do more winners and losers. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about five o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside. LDA 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, a award winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others, real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, coming back, winners and losers from today. Rob, let's hear a winner. How about a winner in abstract, a winner in minor movement? Phoenix Suns, who made some minor moves to improve their team. But more importantly, the Eastern Conference has turned into an absolute meat grinder. And so if you're the best team in the West and looking at a team that's going to have to go through three tough rounds in a row, I think it's a good time to be a Phoenix Sun. I think it's a good time to be Devin Booker or Chris Paul or DeAndre Ayton. We covered that in the last part about how ah. what no 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 I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> it was the right it's the right point what a gauntlet it's going to be for at least one or two of those eastern teams Brutal. getting to the conference finals where it's like what's the easy game or what's the easy series um yeah so phoenix wait, so they it's hard for me to call them a winner when they never should have told jalen smith we don't want to renew your option for year three which is basically like free yeah um and they, you know, they wanted to cut costs. And look, I've been talking about this since they didn't give eight in the extension. I'm, I'm convinced they will not pay the luxury tax. I don't believe it. I'm not convinced Aiton will be on that team next year. I think they're all in on this year. They made the team a little bit better, Tory Craig. But ultimately, that team's playing so well. I think it would have been dumb to make a trade. There were some. There are a few teams heading into this deadline where like, don't do anything. Like I think Memphis was another one. Where yep. it's like, don't don't do anything, guys. Ride this out. And I think Golden State, you know, whether if Wiseman was seen, Wiseman and Zion might be living with Bigfoot in the uh, in the Adirondacks or something. Like, wait, nobody's seen any of them. But I, I think no, it, they, I saw some clips on Twitter. I think yesterday of him doing some like on court Wiseman? work. Yeah, was he, Wiseman was he walking? Was. Nah, he was running. He, he like closed out on somebody. It was oh, he was, was running. Wow. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. He was running. Can so we I confirm wonder, it wasn't a deep fake though? <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> well, I wonder if he was healthy. Would he have been, you know, somebody that they moved? I, I agreed with their decision to stand pat, and I think, you know, Cleveland already made their move, and it looks like they bought at a pretty smart price for Levert, con- considering some of the other stuff that we've seen. I was kind of hoping New Orleans would do something wacky today, like to, you know, piggyback the McCollum thing, but they didn't do it. Is it, KSA, is there anybody that you felt like should have made a move and didn't, like that you're actually like upset that they didn't make one? The Utah Jazz uh, coming out of deadline week with only Nikhil Alexander-Walker and that trade package. Um, I mean, like this is a team I don't, I, I can't take seriously, you know, saying that they're a contender right now. I don't think you can go into a playoff series in this gauntlet in the Western Conference, Phoenix, Golden State, and expect to get through it with, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal, uh, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell as your defenders it's on the perimeter. So unathletic, Gobert. yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, like, I think Conley locks in sometimes, like Mitchell, like he's going to really have to buy in. Gobert had that quote weeks ago about like, oh, you see Devin Booker. People used to say he's not a good defender and now he's bought in every night. Uh, this jazz team is going to need that from like five different guys. And I just don't think it's enough. I would have loved to have seen them go after Jeremy Grant, somebody like that, because they, they need wings. And if they're not going to get them now, which they didn't, they, they have to get them. In the say, I'm going the other way. I, I think whatever they did, it wasn't going to matter. Not enough. I think there's that- such a distance with them. They are now in, please, let's not have Donovan Mitchell give an interview to Chris Haynes talking about how <laughs> Utah's on the clock mode would be oh, my guess. Man. And Was- Memphis was co- coming for them anyway, like after last year. I mean, they, they were like right there. They're a team that like Memphis is going to leapfrog, I think, this go It around. feels like they're, yeah, it's a switching places thing. And Waz, Utah is now heading toward a really ignominious playoff spot right now. I think they're this year's team that other teams in game 81 and 82 might be tanking to try to play in round one, which is not where you want to be. Where it's like, well, Dallas started nobody tonight. They really want to play Utah. Like, I think that's going to be the team. Yeah, and it's sad because, you know, I was really high on them last year. Uh, was really high on them this year, even after the collapse. I'm just like, at a certain point, man, when you embarrass yourselves like that, you have to come back and, like, show some level of metal and, you know, some pride in what you do. And it's gone the opposite. Like, Rudy and Donovan are back sniping at each other in the press. And, you know, I talked about I talked about this with Sarah Todd, who who's one of their beat people yeah, that was good. out there on our pod. And... I'm like, man, like <laughs> this guy's calling out teams by name, saying they're building championship, uh, uh, you know, uh, habits, and the, he's calling out other teams' star players, star perimeter players yep. by name. I'm like, this is not a good thing, you know. And so once it goes, starts going that way, like you guys aren't Kobe and Shaq. Okay, right. you can't <laughs> you can't do all of this stuff in the press, be this dysfunctional, hate each other this much, and go to the finals. You're not good enough to do yeah, that. You're you not even a documentary. You're you're, no. you're possibly Ouch. a narrative podcast, but not a documentary. <laughs> Coming um, from Bill, if, that hurts. If, if, if Rudy, if, I love if narrative podcasts. I'm just saying they're not a documentary. Yeah. No, I love that call out, though. Yeah, yeah. I love if, that Devin Booker is like a third rail issue for Donovan Mitchell. Like you cannot bring up his name in that kind of context without it being insulting. It, yeah, it's, Rudy, it's the it, best feud that's not actually a feud yet. If Rudy Gobert demanded a trade and or if the Utah Jazz tried to move Gobert, who who would want him? Who would the target be for the Jazz to try to make something of Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley? Is there anything there this offseason? Just thinking ahead, like if they fail and fall flat on their face again. Or or do you open the door with Mitchell? Oh, the merry-go-round is starting again. I'm just asking the question, though, because I think for Utah, like they hired Danny Ainge to run this. I, I expected, you know, there, there to be more activity. I thought they would try to do more and be aggressive and be like, yeah, yeah, Detroit. We'll yeah, the Ingles trade, want. the Ingles injury shouldn't have paralyzed them to the point no, it, where Alexander Walker is their big move. Is yeah, is Mitchell Rob? Is Mitchell right now number one on our? I wouldn't be shocked if some sources Mitchell unhappy looking to get out this summer. Is he number one, or would you still have Dame there? I mean, it's hard to supplant Dame and even Brad Beal now. Like, I, mean, I can't imagine Chris Porzingis is is changing his world in the long term. <laughs> uh, but but of of the non, you know, the guys we haven't talked about ad nauseum, Mitchell seems like the logical candidate just because we don't know what they're doing. I think I think you're right, Bill. It's not even that they're a winner or a loser. Like, we need to go full nihilism with the Jazz. Like, what are they supposed to do to solve their perimeter defensive issues here when? If they, if they weren't going to make a Levert-type trade in which the Cavs traded, you know, a pick and Ricky Rubio's contract, if they weren't going to do that with Ingles' contract, I don't really know what they were supposed to do. I'm excited because now that football's ending and that throwing myself into really trying to figure out what's going to happen with basketball as we go the playoffs, I, I don't want to have to watch like 20 teams really closely, right? You want to narrow it down a little and you want to have the teams where... Mm-hmm. You go like Ver, this is always a big Verno thing. Like I don't have to watch them that much because I know what they are. I know who they are. Utah, I feel like I might be able to just skip. I might just be able to to delete the season pass from my from my cable <laughs> DVR. 
of the Utah season, like how I haven't watched Ozark hold yet. On I might now, just hold be good. on now. They they beat up the banged up Warriors last night by like 30. They're not dead yet, okay. Bill Simmons. All right. I, so maybe I'll take a break. But yeah, that, I, in general, I would be delighted if they just were out because there's other fun West teams, right? Well, who's who's on the opposite side of that? Like who got more interesting today? In the West? Anybody. Like, who's moving think... up your league pass rankings right now? I'm... Well, they, they, after what I saw from the Kings last night, I think That's they... That's me too. The yeah. Kings are like the drunk guy in the bar that you're just like, what's that guy going to do? <laughs> Keep an eye on him. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Keep He's going to either buy everyone drinks or get kicked out. I can't wait to watch Keep this. Keep an eye on him. He keeps tapping that big guy on the shoulder. What's he They're doing? Keep... Sabonis is like already like running high screen, like little Bill Walton dump off passes to cutters and Mitchell looked like he was delighted, but just in general, it's such a weird team. I'll, de- I'll definitely give them a whirl. Yeah, I would think, I, who knows? The Clippers are probably the X factor because mm. I still don't know why they traded Ibaka. I didn't understand it at all, but Norm Powell, they clearly won that trade. And then if Paul George doesn't get the surgery, which I'd be dubious of, but let's say he doesn't, and then they can potentially get Kawhi back. I mean, that that's our what-if team, I think, in the West. Yeah, I've been interested in the T-Wolves all season. Um, I want to yep. see what they do. Like, obviously, they kind of just chilled during the deadline, which I think is the right thing to do, right? Like, these guys should be growing and building together. And, like, this group should have to achieve the playoffs together. Like, I think that would be yep. big for them going forward. So I'll definitely be watching the Timberwolves for sure. So you're going winner Timberwolves just by keeping this weird nucleus together and they're 29 and 26. I think I agree with you because for them, it's like every year after the all-star break, somebody makes a jump, right? It's always somebody under 25. Um, I remember Tatum, it was happening for a couple years ago. We had that d- incredible Davis run in 2018 where all of a sudden he was like Tim Duncan 2.0. Edwards would be a first round draft pick for, could he be the guy where he just makes this leap after the all-star break? There's a couple other guys like that, but Edwards to me, I I could see him going on like a crazy run. I do think he has it in him. I do, it does seem like he's getting better. Um, his confidence is growing, and just in general, um, anybody else? KSC, who else would you have? How about? Uh, I mean, I know it didn't happen today, but the Pelicans, in terms of like moving up those league pass rankings, I'm excited to see if Zion comes back, when Zion comes back. Him and CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram, how those guys play together. How does mm. Jonas Valanciunas' role uh, develop? Because he's kind of a you know a heavier usage center. Um, yeah. So there's going to have to be some sacrifice in that team now. So I'm I'm very intrigued to see how the Pelicans develop uh, throughout. And also, I can't get enough of watching Herb Jones. I I got to watch Herb Jones all the time. <laughs> like I, I I just keep my when I watch the Pelicans and they're on defense, my eyes are glued onto Herb Jones. Just fun to watch him. Kyle. I have the Bucks as a stealth winner. They get a Baca for nothing. They also open two two roster spots. And I think they are probably the number one draft pick for who is who is the buyout teams mm-hmm. out of everybody we have. It is, and I don't really know. Maybe they're a Dragic destination. I can't figure out Dragic. I can't figure out, does he not like cold weather? What, what happened in Toronto? I've never gotten a straight answer on that one. Did he just think he was going to Dallas the whole time? But I'd like where Milwaukee is right now. And what would you add if you had to from the bio market? What, what's the one piece? A backup point? Uh, I mean, I, I think that the surge thing is hypothetically, I keep using that word, I know, because that's if it if it works out for them, it really depends on what they have left because he fits schematically, like stylistically what they like to play. Like over the past few seasons, he's been a he has like historically been a pretty good drop defender, whether or not he can still shoot the ball. Um, is going to be a big question if you can just pad that with some more shooting too um, in case it's always good to have wings it's always good to have shooting um, but the surge thing it could swing up for them you know I don't know it's it's, it's a big I think it was a worthy swing I was talking to Rob about this over t- text earlier that considering the market I think you're right it was a big win for them considering what they could get like earlier they were t- tinkering with Boogie Cousins that's kind of where they were that was the if you're in that range yeah. Take a flyer on surge for sure for what you. For His what you movement has been just steadily declining over the years. Um, you know, definitely a buddy healed candidate 
with, with certain How old is he? <laughs> traditionally. But, you know, I like to move um, <laughs> just because he does provide some spacing and he, he'll be able to easily adapt to what they're trying to do on defense. Um, of course, folks at home can drink. Still on the Hawks. <laughs> I'm still on the Hawks. I just love what's happened since Akangu has come back and he's getting mm. minutes and he's healthy. He's just such a force on defense, man. Um, he just changes how they feel defensively with his intensity and he's guarding all kinds of dudes. So obviously I'll still be watching the Hawks. They're still my number one league pass team. Uh, but yeah, definitely still excited about that. And, you know, of course the Knicks are just... Y'all, y'all done with the playing. Y'all done with everything. It's over, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> can we, can we circle Ocon- back to the Bucks for a second? Yeah, let's do it. Because, Bill, you, you said they gave up nothing for Ibaka, which I think in aggregate, I'm not going to be the guy who stands up here and tells you Dante DiVincenzo is a hugely important oh, player. But gosh. he was their best trade asset. And I think what they did give up was really any flexibility in terms of who's playing on the wing. Like, they have to feel really solid about the West Matthews minutes right now. And that's not exactly where I would want to be if I'm trying to win a championship. That's the only place I would be a little nervous just because DiVincenzo has started trending up since he came back from injury a little bit. I wonder if they they plugged one hole. They needed a big, they needed a guy like Ibaka, but I think they might still need to fill that other one of like someone who can give them something on the perimeter in what used to be DiVincenzo's minutes. So I assume Gary- that's going to be a buyout guy, right? You would, how about, and that's the easiest position to find a buyout guy, I think, is that primer spot. Go ahead, Kelsey. How about Gary Harris as a buyout guy? Love he, that. I, I've, heard, I've heard his name a bunch this past week that if he didn't get dealt, Gary Harris is a likely guy to get bought out. And he's been, you know, he's struggled he's the last couple year. of years. He, he's been good this year for Orlando. Yeah. Uh, somebody like that makes some sense to me. I, I, Cause you're right, Rob. I mean, you want to add more wings, you know, behind that after giving up DiVincenzo, Gary Harris feels like a like number one target for the Bucks. I'm totally. just psyched that Steve Cerruti has been sitting in on this entire three-hour Zoom. The Orlando Magic finally got brought up for him. I know he's, <laughs> he's got to be delighted. The, uh, the thing, the reason I thought the Ibaka thing was so important, just from a playoff standpoint, I didn't like that, or, that Milwaukee had lost their malleability from last year with being able to go bigger or smaller to, and being able to use Giannis depending on what the situation was. And I don't know, Brooke Lopez might come back. He might not, but uh, Abaka at least makes me feel a little better because ultimately they're going to have to play Philly. You would think at, in one of those rounds. And if you, if really you're just crossing your fingers that Giannis is you, that Giannis lineup is going to be your lineup. I don't love it. Can we talk about my, uh, my Celtics? <laughs> Yes. So they traded. The team was playing well. <laughs> the team was playing well. Now, it was a little smoke and mirrors because of the schedule, but they did have everybody healthy. So they basically trade Richardson. They trade Romeo Langford. They trade Dennis Schroeder. And they trade a protected first-round pick. And they get back Daniel Tice and Derek White. Are the Celtics... I'll start with you, KFC. Are the Celtics in a better place than they were 24 hours ago? I mean, I feel like they're kind of in the same place, just with the different cast of characters. Um, but I do like Derek White. I like Derek White. I mean, he's a solid player. He's good defender. Um, I mean, for them, I, I think they're like maybe slightly better, but it's not too different than what they were before. I like when how you I, said that twice to like convince yourself of it. You're like, I like Derek White. I like Derek like White. <laughs> he had an epiphany as he was talking about it. It did seem like they they were a little bit chemistry moves here because Langford, young one of the many young guys who wants to play. Um, Derek White, beloved teammate by all counts. I think Richardson, there's been good buzz on him as a teammate this year, but Schroeder has always been hit or miss. He's in that kind of Montrez Harrell zone of, is that guy a good teammate? Why does that guy keep getting passed around? Is that but, is that something we say when we're trying to convince ourselves that's a good deal? Like, oh, he's a great locker room guy. Because usually the players we know are great, that's not brought up. Yeah, I'm like, flailing I, right now, okay? So you saw <laughs> right through me. I'm talking about chemistry. and uh, I, I mean, Derek White and Marcus Smart as your backcourt, I just feel like guys are laying off them. Derek White, has he's like a 31% three-point shooter yeah. this year. And Smart yeah. is, could go 0 for 9 or, you know, 2 for 3, whatever. But I just... I can't imagine those guys logging a lot of minutes. Waz seems like just unimpressed by the Celtics. Yeah, I just don't. 
I just don't see it. Like, God damn it! I, I just don't see it. It's not like they added any playmaking, which they didn't. Or if they added somebody like, like a Seth Curry, where when he's doing his off-ball stuff, that's able to you know soften up a defense for your one-on-one guys. Like they have to pay attention to off-ball actions when it's a shooter that dynamic. I don't think they've done anything to change the ecosystem of their offense for real. Like Derek White doesn't shoot. He's not a lead at playmaking. So he didn't change anything for them offensively, which I think is going to be important. Counter? I, I, can I have a counter? Of is course. it Daniel Tice? Should is I Daniel lie? Tice the counter? <laughs> I mean, so, we literally just Mer- droned on and on about how the East is a meat grinder now. Yes. <laughs> and the Celtics basically circled the block. I'm, to I'm come looking back for to Derek White upside. So Murray established himself as like a really good point guard. You know, like somebody that I actually think Philly could not have gotten Ben Simmons for. White, who I think is a point guard, but wasn't able to play maybe as much point guard as he thought. Maybe this is a better point guard situation. God damn it, I'm flailing. I we just seems like we went sideways. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I think I think with Boston, like Brad Stevens has always talked of when he was a head coach, talked about having five guys on the floor that can make a play, that can pass. And Richardson is a solid player, but he's not necessarily that guy creating off the dribble and creating for others or himself. He plays off of others. I think in that sense, now you're talking about lineups that are gonna have smart, white, brown, Tatum, Williams, or Horford in there. And in that sense, or Grant Williams, for that matter, a good passer for his his position. I, I think that's probably the direction that Boston wants to go to. Derek White is just, you know, he's good. If he, if he were a more consistent shooter year to year, I'm not sure San Antonio is doing this deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for Boston, you're, you're just, you're essentially getting a similar level player just with different characteristics. And in that sense, I think they get slightly better. Um, but it's not like anything significant that changes how we talk about the Celtics and what they are and what they can be. What will change the Celtics is if Smart continues to play like he has the last two weeks. If he he? plays really smart, unselfish basketball and isn't like, I've got this. Like what he's done and the way he's recommitted to the defense and him kind of admitting like, all right, you you don't think we have a point guard? Watch this. That's probably the best outcome for that. But ultimately... Tatum going up a level is the only way this team is going to make a dent in the East. The only other trade that uh, I guess we should talk about, it, it, I don't know if this is a winner or a loser, but Charlotte did get Harold. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And they didn't trade P.J. Washington. Yeah. Right. Um, who I kind of like. I I know people are down on him, but I, I, I kind of like him a, too. I like that he can shoot. I don't think he's exactly I like yeah. I think he's a good player. You don't so you don't want to leave him open in the good. last three minutes. Have you noticed that? Like he he will like knock him down. Yeah, and I think bringing Montrez in there is dope. I I would love to see how a pick and roll chemistry can be developed between him and uh, um, Lonzo because, excuse me, not Lonzo, LaMelo, <laughs> Lonzo's not on the team, um, between him and LaMelo because I remember the Lou Will pick and roll with him on the Clippers was used to be so potent. Like the, yeah. the, the, the timing that they had when he would, you know, flip the screen at the last minute. It was like so good. I, and he hasn't been able to develop that yet with anybody else since leave, well, since Lou Will went to Magic City. Well, LaMelo is perfect for that. Yeah, LaMelo. Yeah, he is. He is. He's a credible pick-and-roll operator, so I'd love to see if they could get something going. When the energy feedback loop of LaMelo pushing, of Trez running the floor, there's there's a good synergy there that I think could be really productive for them. I like that the Hornets didn't break the bank for a Jakob Pertl, a Rashawn Holmes. Like These centers who aren't going to change their life, ultimately. They got a guy who can help them but they still have the ability to go get a better center down the line because Trez, bless him, useful player. He's not going to solve their rim protection issues, their defense issues. That's just not what he's there for. Um. All right, winners and losers. We we we've talked about this team a little, but we got to just run it back. Rob, you weren't here when we talked about them the last time. The the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm. I'm giving the all caps <laughs> loser. 
for the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> stop <you>. Such joy. <laughs> Listen, you are too happy right I'm, now. I've hated the Lakers my that. whole life. Like this, just let me enjoy this. For my team trainer for Daniel Tice. Let me enjoy this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lakers. Uh, loser. Rob, there's no way out. What is there a way out? Is it do you send Westbrook home? Do you what do you do? There's no way out. I, stock your bunker. Get down in there. It's going to be a long haul, you know, to, to really undo some of what's going on with this team. The Westbrook thing, it seemed like something that would have to be resolved in the offseason if you can unwind it. It's going to have to happen then. The deadline was not a reasonable expectation. John Wall was not a reasonable pipe dream. This is a team that is stuck. And that is the problem with trading for Russell Westbrook in the first place is he commits you to a style of play. He commits you to a cap sheet. It's hard. And that's, I think they, I think they earned their deadline loser, not today, but months and months ago when they committed to this thing in the first place. Oh, it's like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's like I, I a per- delude, permanent loser. <laughs> I tried to delude myself last time. Cause at first I was like, this is so clearly the dumbest trade of all time. But I was like, ah, what if he could come in and be a role guy? What if he could come in and execute the things that Schroeder was doing or Rondo did before? Like they didn't have to do that much. Why can't Russell Westbrook just come in and do what they did? But then, you know, and and Rob very politely said, Boz, no. No. I tried to tell you. I tried. Is, is Russ He's not going to change. Waz, we were talking about this off air. It's like, is Russ, can you think of a superstar who is more rigid than Russ? Like, uh, like unwilling to evolve. Billiard history guy. I, I can't I can't think of another one. I mean, and it was just funny. Got, he's he's out of the eighties. No, it's like out of like the nineteen eighties. There were guys like this that just, you know, they would get their Dantley. stats, but you had no chance. But Danley yeah. was on good teams. Like he was on playoff teams. That the thing with Russ is he just I just didn't think he was a winning player anymore because of all the stuff he needed to do to be happy as a basketball player. It just was at <laughs> diametric odds with how a team could succeed. Like he doesn't you know, like you even see now, like he'll still take like these big threes at the end of games. Like he's Ray Allen. And this has been his whole career. He's like, an, he's the ultimate irrational confidence guy. That's going to be his legacy. It's like, it's not Deion Waiters. It's actually Russell Westbrook. And he had so much rational confidence. He won the MVP, you know, like, but, but ultimately, can you win with him? We just really haven't seen it. What do you got, KFC? When I, uh, was getting, you know, hired by the ringer in 2016. Uh, Chris Ryan asked me to write uh, just like a sample. I wrote something about Russell Westbrook and we ended up using her for the site of the Russell Westbrook roadmap in 2016. And it was about how like KD left and Russ is about to, you know, be in control. Remember when he tweeted out that video, like, you know, uh, now I do what I want. Oh, and, gosh. you know, and I, and I wrote in that article how Russ to sustain success and continue you know, maintaining this level of play is going to need to change and evolve his game. I've been on this for years now. So like, I think with Russ now, we're at a point for the first time, athletically, skills wise, like he has declined so much since that point for him. He is officially now in this spot. I know everybody hates when I say it, but you give me a better idea than Russ deciding, you know what? I'm only going to shoot four or five times a game. I'm going to put all my energy and focus into everything else. Because if he doesn't do that, it's over. It's done. It's done. So like this, we're at the point here where Russ has to do something to salvage this. Otherwise, it's all over for the Lakers and possibly for him. So like that, that's my perspective here with Russ. He should have seen this years ago while he was still winning MVPs, but he didn't because of his own stubbornness, because of his own self-confidence. But now you've failed. You are at rock bottom and every Lakers fan knows it. Even Russ stands aren't standing up for Russ anymore. He's at the point now where he needs to change or it's over. It's over. Well, winner, everybody who loves James Worthy in the postgame show. Oh, James Worthy. <laughs> Huge great. renaissance this year. HBO oh my Max, they could have picking that show up. It's, wow. You know, it's, shouts we're, to, shouts we're, to James Worthy, by the way, who we're talking to for full core fits tomorrow morning. <laughs> I, oh, you got I, Worthy uh, on. Hell yeah. It's so good. I've been on this since the with that weird when when Nick Young was there and Russell and all those guys and they would go to James after the game and he really loves the Lakers like Magic yeah. like I think I know Magic loves the Lakers too but when he does the tweets and stuff you're always like wondering what his agenda is 
James is on after the game and he's like a dad who just was at his daughter's lacrosse game and yes. can't believe they blew it with a minute left. And he's just, he's just like bleeding purple. Yeah. He's so into it. It's really, I, the only guy I can think of like that was how Heinsohn was with the Celtics forever as the announcer, oh, like yeah. he, where he really loved them. Like, you know, and it, he, he couldn't, every call he thought was the worst affront ever, but I enjoy the James stuff. So I think that's, that's a winner. James Worthy fans. Well, speaking, speaking, that ties back to what we were talking about earlier. Some earlier, if if we if the merry-go-round thing continues, that's something that we stand to lose. I mean, if if we if we lose guys having tenure like that, James Worthy, he's not from L.A., is he? I'm, I'm pretty sure is he from. I mean, he went no, he's to North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. yeah, I was just saying. I, mean, I don't know if that's something we stand to lose in the future. If, if yeah, like if it, who belongs where? Yeah, you know, I I think about that a lot because. You know, we have all the banners in Boston. You can look up, and most of the guys were there the entire time. The recent ones, like KG, I who knows if they're going to do Ray Allen. Waz is smirking. Um, but we, <laughs> a lot of guys who were just there their whole careers, and now, like, where does LeBron in the Basketball Hall of Fame, I assume he goes in as a Cav. He's going to go in as a Cav. I guess. Yeah. He did 11 years there. I mean, that's... that's he did that's, 11. You made it sound like prison. <laughs> well, I guess. <laughs> Well, well and, <laughs> but he peaked in Miami, you know, that's, it's just weird. Right? We're in a weird stage. Like where does James, who does James Harden go in as a rocket? He quit on the rockets. Is his bus going to quit? Are they going to quit making it like two thirds of the way through? It's just not finished. The last part's not brought. They do his beard, but his forehead's not bronze. It, it is definitely a, a strange era. Um, couple more winners and losers before we go. I, Nick's loser to me. I had heard that the Knicks were in on everybody. Watch out for the Knicks. I know they made a run at McCollum. They obviously made a run at De'Aaron Fox because that leaked out, but ended up getting nothing. And they still have this fundamental problem of, I think we all kind of like Obi Toppin, but he can't play enough because he plays the exact same position as their unhappy superstar who they just stupidly gave an extension to. And I... Rob, if you're the Knicks, do you try to become a play-in team? Do you try to play the young guys more? What do you do? What's your what's your goal last 30 games? I think trying to become a play-in team is their real... That's their only course. Because yeah. they're, they're a team yeah. that is invested in the idea that they are going to be able to trade at some point to entice another star or, or clear cap space and sign one in free agency. I don't think you do that unless you're at least competent. Unless you can at least get into 10th place in your conference. It just becomes such a hard sell from that point. I don't you see know, the roadmap the, the from them, though. Go ahead, Wes. The worst part about it is I was talking to a buddy of mine um, who, you know, he goes to a lot of Nick games last week, actually. And he was like, look, here's the problem with Julius Randle. Last year was great. You know, the team was winning. He was making his mid-rangers. It was great. He was happy. He was high-fiving. This year, things are not going great, but he's sulking the whole time. He's like, uh, don't ruin my viewing experience with this, right. with this sulking and messing up the, the 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 feeling and the atmosphere, and it's like, you know, it just reminds me of what makes people like Steph, people like Dame, um, special. They don't sulk even when things are going bad. They make everybody feel like it's a process, and you know, let's stick together in this whole thing. And Julius Randle. I know newsflash, he's not Steph. He's not he's not one of these reliable franchise pillars. He's just a guy who had a great season last year and now has come back down to earth. Uh but yeah, they have to chase the temps. What else are they gonna do? You know, right, well, like this, getting a tenth pick in the draft is gonna change this team. This brings me to a very important question. Kyle, turn the fucking camera on for this one. <laughs> Brooklyn in the eighth spot right now at 29 and 25. Charlotte's 28 and 28, Atlanta's 26 and 28, and you have the Knicks at 24 and 31, and Waz and Rob just laid out the case why the Knicks are not going to roll over. They are five games behind the Nets. Is there a world where the Nets miss the playoffs? Where they miss the playing game? Hold on, Waz. KD said he's not back for three more weeks. Kyrie cannot play home games. We have no idea when Ben Simmons is going to play again. And right now, this team is basically Seth Curry, LaMarcus Aldridge, a little bit of of Kyrie, and some Andre Drummond. That could be this, this be the Drummond sons could be upon us. But <laughs> there's a world where we could be two weeks left and the Nets could be the 11th seed. I'm just, am I crazy? None of you guys see this? 
I just don't think the Knicks are going to go on some incredible win streak. That's a one. And two, when KD does finally come back, it's do or die. Like, their playoffs basically start once he comes back. And they'll start ripping off wins. And again... But they, they played 54 games already. And if he's out three, four more weeks, that's another 10 he's missing. But, Bill, but you also know, because you're the one who pioneered this, even me even noticing this all those years back. This is the time of season. Oh, my arm hurts. Oh, I got a backache. Oh, <laughs> yeah. a bunch of those teams are going to start. Players just going to start peeling off. And the teams that really want to win because they have to are going to be fine. I think the Nets are going to be good. But I right. say, I, I, anybody dude, worried about the Nets? Because I'm going to tell Kyle to turn the camera off. <laughs> 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 Nobody's worried. Nobody's with me. I mean, it's we, not inconceivable. Did, They're now one injury away on top of all the other injuries there. But it's a one more all. bad thing away from, like, they, they might be in danger. Nobody's with me. I mean, we're all I one mean, bad thing away from danger. I mean, the asteroid <laughs> is coming for all of us. Global <laughs> warming is coming for all of us. Well, I mean, Brooklyn's already lost nine in a row. Yeah. And there's I mean, still five it's, it's, games up on the Wizards and the Knicks, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot more would have to go wrong for the Nets and a lot would also need to go right for the Knicks that it's kind of hard to project going right for the Knicks right now. Like, they have some guys in and out of the lineup as well. I mean, to me, the Knicks, if they... They probably are going to compete for a playoff spot. You know, a big market team. Dolan wants the team to win. They're trying to continue, you know, looking like an appealing, you know, destination for somebody. But like, if you're speaking strictly like in a vacuum, what they should do, they should be wanting to slide the other way, in my opinion, and get higher draft odds and add another young guy to this group or, or just have that asset. Cause you don't, even, if, even with higher draft odds, you get a higher pick. You don't need to keep the pick. You can use that to get a guy. So well, to me, like that that's what the Knicks should do, but I don't think they will do that. To your point. So they've lost they've lost 11 of their last 13 the Knicks. The Knicks were wow. 22 and 21. Oh no, yeah. Now they're 24 and 31. So they've lost uh, 10 of their last 12. Here is their next few games. At Golden State, at Portland, <sighs> home OKC, home Brooklyn, home Miami. Back to back against Philly, Phoenix, and then they have this West Coast trip right after the All Star break. Oh, Phoenix, man. Clippers, Sacramento, Dallas, Memphis, Brooklyn—they're just on the road. Damn, I don't They're know. I don't know done. if they come out of that. Yeah, that seems like <laughs> D-U-N wow. done. It's uh, over. D-U-N done. <laughs> but oh so maybe goodness. the case with for Brooklyn is how do we avoid not at least having one home playing game? Like can. Because what they don't want is like if you're nine or ten, and you're on the road for both of those in do or die games. We kind of saw how that worked out for, you know, last year where Golden State was like, oh, it's gonna be so awesome when Golden State makes the playoffs. Then it's like, wait, Memphis is beating Golden State. What's happening? So if Brooklyn's on the road, you know, against Charlotte and against Atlanta or against Boston. That's not ideal. But that means Kyrie gets to play. True. Oh, interesting. What a zag by Mahoney. You know? So, so Brooklyn needs the 10 seed so Kyrie can play in the play playoff games. Now, like now we're going full galaxy brain on this. <laughs> oh, that's a great one. They, they, they want to finish eighth or seventh or whatever. <laughs> Brooklyn's very so focused on the Kyrie, 10 seed. That'd be a woe tweet. They can maximize Kyrie Irving's play in time. That's incredible. Uh, another winner. Brian Windhorst, mm. our guy, mm. my boy, <laughs> never, never gave up the fight. <laughs> Kept telling us oh. the talks have not stopped. Oh my god, pretty good. Can I One can more. I just say something really quickly about the fucking news breaking wars? That's just hilarious. P like, please do. Like, look, Wendy is clearly a plugged in dude. He knows what the hell he's talking about. And more than anything, he's one of the most measured dudes in our business. He will not go out on a limb and just start making declarative statements and declarations. Like, it's not agenda. It's, it's like, no, I talked to somebody who's credible. And, like, these things are happening. But I will say this harken back. This was fucking great. This harken back to what me and my buddies affectionately call the Gordon Hayward situation. 
when Haynes was like, yo, Hayward's oh, yeah. going to Boston. And then it was like, oh, because uh, Hayward's people were scared of Woj. And it was like, oh, we just wrote the essay today and all of that. And it's just like, what are we doing, people? This news, if it becomes official, we will all know it. Today, tomorrow, or the day these fools suit up for their next team, let's please just all just calm down. But shouts to Wendy for winning that one <laughs> against his own teammate, allegedly. I heard. This is what Kev said that when he joined the ring. We talked about this about information, and because once you that just becomes your job if you're trying to break yeah, the information, sure. right? So at the ringer, we made the decision. We want to react to the information. We don't care about the actual process to get the information. I thought this is one of the most bizarrely reported stories the last couple of weeks because there were leaks everywhere, right? But at some point, Harden was done. Mm -hmm. And the, they started talking trades. And by over the weekend, we knew Seth, or at least I knew Seth Curry was involved. And that if, if, that was a touch point for them. Seth Curry has to be in this. We need to still be good this year if this happens. So we've known that for days. And then publicly, they're going, nope, they haven't talked. No talks yet. It's like, what What are we doing? What, what alternate universe are we trying to create where we know you guys are talking trade, but you're pretending you're not? I, I thought it was... Uh, that was very strange. It is, isn't that why it's so important, like anytime something's reported, uh, to read between the lines? And, yes. and I think, like, if you listen to that Woj clip on ESPN the other day when he did say, oh, they're not talking, he also He's, adds at the end of it. He said the GMs he, aren't talking. Yes, he said the GMs aren't talking. And he also says it's important for Kevin Durant that he has a fully committed roster to compete for a championship. It's like these little things that mm. Woj or Shams or Stein or Haynes, whoever, whatever they add in, those little details are very, very important. And so I think Woj, like, you know, saying what he said, and sometimes it's those little things that, uh, that are true. Like, those are sometimes the greatest the way, insights. He's probably right. Daryl Morey and Sean Marks probably weren't directly talking to each other, but there were so many intermediaries oh, yeah. in this whole thing. They're and not the only people who work at the team. <laughs> yep. what right. The fuck? And, yes. and at this level, the owners are involved in some way. Hell yeah. And then they're mm -hmm. telling the GMs, hey, here's the, the owners, framework. You guys bang this out. Meek Mill, Lil Baby, everybody's <laughs> yeah. involved in this. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, he was in there. <laughs> Julius <laughs> Irving. All this stuff. All right, did we hit everything? Yeah, I think we got it. I everything. feel like we did. Hey, mm -hmm. Kyle Man, Waz, KOC, Rob Mahoney. Thanks to Chris Ryan as well, who joined us. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing. Thanks to Steve Cerruti and Dylan Burke as well. We'll be putting a ton of short videos and things from that on uh, on the Ringer Twitter, on my YouTube page and all kinds of stuff. But this was fun. Thanks for doing this, boys. It was good seeing you. Thank you. Of course. Good stuff, y'all. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for having me.